Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. to the latest edition of the BPA, the best podcast available. No, Jason Gibbs did not get significantly better looking. It's me, Nathan Zagura, in for Mr. Gibbe on episode number two. Coming up on today's show, we're joined by Ian Harditz from FantasyLife.com. He's going to give you a little fantasy perspective on the Browns, as well as some of the players in this year's draft and what the best landing spots are. Browns don't have a first or a second round pick, so if you're watching that, Probably watching the AFC North teams and watching where guys go that can help you win fantasy championships. So Ian's going to have us covered on that. We'll start right now. Very happy now to be joined by our guest, Ian Harditz, who comes to us from the Fantasy Life website, fantasylife.com, Matthew Barry's new venture. And, and I heard once he became a free agent, the hottest in the business, Matthew Barry wanted to lock you up. So number one, how excited are you kind of for that next stage of your journey? Oh, it's fantastic, man. Absolutely love the team we got over here. Dwayne McFarlane, Peter Overset, Kendall Valenzuela, among the other ones. And it's just nice, you know, in this day and age, 2023, in this economy, everything's free. So it's good getting the work out there, you know, ads, you know, I could be a part of that. But yeah, man, always a great day. It'd be great. Couldn't be happier about where things are. And we're certainly happy to have you on the show today. And obviously, we're going to talk Browns. This is the best podcast available. It's about the Browns brought our offseason. And obviously, with your fantasy slant, you are tilted towards the skill position players. So let's talk about the Browns skill position players. Start there. Deshaun Watson, we saw six games from him. Some good, some not as good. But we know what he has been in the past. And now he's going to have a full offseason. Where are you liking him and what this really this offense can be with Deshaun Watson at the helm? It really depends what version we're getting, man. And I understand the ceiling here. If we just, and just for people that aren't even big fantasy people, like just realize fantasy points, they come from the same stats we talk about anyway. Passing yards, touchdowns, your interceptions, takeaway points with the rushing yards. And with that in mind, guys, even with last season in there, Deshaun Watson is one of only five quarterbacks in NFL history to average over 20 fantasy points per game. So your Josh Allen's, your Patrick Mahomes is of the world, at least in fantasy when, when he's at his best, Deshaun Watson is certainly at those guys' levels. It's just how much can he get back to looking like the guy that he was in Houston versus last year but obviously tumultuous offseason everything going on wasn't the most surprising thing in the world but with all that said I do have him as my QB 11 in fantasy land right now he's in the same tier as guys like Dak Prescott Trevor Lawrence to tackle by Loa and that's about where he's being drafted as well so again it's just trying to thread that needle between which version do we think we're getting because he could honestly have a top five guy or like last year someone honestly outside the top 20. Yeah, and then I think obviously we hope with the layoff, that was a very long layoff. It's a very difficult position to play in the NFL. Now I'll have that full offseason, and hopefully John Watson get, get back to being elite because if he is, the Browns are going to be elite. We've got a pretty complete roster. Dude, he was cool. so fun to watch, too. Like, oh, just, I mean, yeah. I was catching those highlights of that, uh, you know, Texans. I mean, it was the Bills game in the wild card a couple years ago, and just two guys bouncing off him in the pocket. He finds a backup running back for 40 yards. Like, just his play style and that ability to, you know, turn into a backyard football. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely rooting for him to get back to that guy we saw in Houston. Yeah, we saw a glimpse of it. I thought every week you saw a big-time throw. You saw one of those plays out of structure. 
And then the Washington game in the second half of that, where he had the three yeah. touchdowns, was on fire. That's what we're hoping for more of. And, you know, the Browns went out. Andrew Barry tried to help the skill positions and help that wide receiving core, especially a trade for Elijah Moore, who's a guy that I loved coming out of Ole Miss. I thought kind of the end of that rookie season before he got hurt, he was playing really well in those final six games. You get him, you bring in a Marquise Goodwin who can fly and had a nice year in Seattle, add those guys to DPJ and Amari Cooper. So overall, maybe it's not the most elite group, but at least the Browns feel like they've got some weapons now and some different skill sets. They're trying, certainly. I mean, right now, looking at, you know, shout out overthecap.com, but seventh highest spending amount to their wide receiver room. And obviously, a lot of that is Amari Cooper. But sure. Amari Cooper looked like, you know, he was 22 years old again last year. Like, just the route running that dude was putting on from week one on, an absolute joy to watch. And like you mentioned, that Washington game, getting those two touchdowns, you saw what the potential connection could be with Watson and Cooper. And I mean, those past years, with Hopkins getting 150-plus targets every year, putting up the big numbers. Again, the ceiling is there, especially for Cooper but in those other five games he had with Watson couldn't even post top 30 numbers at the position so I will be curious if the Browns are done adding to it I believe the first pick is you know number 75 so obviously they're not gonna be able to add anyone that's too big of a deal but we have seen you know the Anthony Schwartz's of the world the David Bell I mean those guys were day two picks in their own right and as things stand right now I mean they could be on the outside looking in of just the three wide receiver sets so if Bell or Schwartz could really take a leap and be more so that guy they drafted I mean now we're talking about a legit scary group of weapons and we haven't even talked about David Njoku in that great tight end room they have as well so I will be curious if it's going to be DPJ or Elijah Moore because I think we tend to get the draft capital thing too caught up in our mind when we're kind of discerning like a player's talent Elijah Moore went in the second round we all saw what he did at Old Miss is he inherently more talented than Dalton Peoples-Jones I don't know, because yes, that's higher draft capital, but DPJ certainly has put some better uh, film work out there, especially last season with Watson. I mean, that is one of the wild things. If you just look at the discrepancy and how Cooper is being valued in fantasy versus Donovan Peoples-Jones, I get it. I have Cooper ranked well, uh, way, way higher as well. But DPJ, man, again, small sample, six-game sample with Watson. He was really working as the more productive receiver out of the two. So small samples here, and that's where a lot of the Elijah Moore hype comes from. But again, kudos to the Browns front office for at least investing a lot of resources into that room. Now let's see if those resources can finally pay off. Yeah, that really will be. That's the key, right? That you can become an elite passing offense. When you're in an AFC that's got, you mentioned some of the names in the same tier with Watson there, but Tua with Miami, that you've got Trevor Lawrence with the Jags, you've got Mahomes, you've got Burrow, you've got Herbert, you've got Josh Allen, you've got maybe Lamar Jackson, maybe Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> I mean, you got Russell Wilson, who is obviously hoping to bounce back. It's such a loaded conference that if you can't throw the ball, the, the notion that you're going to be able to run the gauntlet in the playoffs, it feels like you really don't have a chance. So I think for all those teams, if their quarterback plays the way that they're hoping they can or on the upper side, then you have a chance. If not, I think it's going to be tough. I think you're going to have to score a lot, don't you, in the AFC North and just in the AFC in general. Yeah, man. I mean, just and the whole Lamar Jackson sack. Oh, should they be paying him? They should be paying him that. At the end of the day, even if he doesn't work like your most traditional quarterback out there, Ravens have scored the fifth most points in the NFL since drafting Lamar in 2018. It would make sense for Kenny Pickett and the Steelers to be a little bit better than last year. I mean, that offense couldn't get all, all that much worse in all honesty. Then obviously Joe Burrow and company speak for themselves. I had a quick question for you, though, about this offense, because you mentioned boss man Matthew Berry before. He had a great article go up on uh, NBCSportsEdge.com 
Tom after the combine about just some interesting things he'd been hearing. And one of his sources was noting that this Browns offense could make it far more about Deshaun Watson airing the ball out, you know, four or five wide receivers on the field at a time a bit more often. So it's going to be tough not to give Nick Chubb, you know, his 20 plus touches per week. We're always hoping for more and more. But do you see Stefanski like finally just turning this offense fully over to Watson? I mean, all that money behind him, it would make sense. Yeah, I wonder who your boss talked to at the college. That's interesting. <laughs> but uh, yes, indeed, I do think that the Browns are going to go much more to becoming an 11 personnel team. They still have the ability to use two or even three tight ends. Now they've got the Chief. They brought in Jordan Akins, who has that history with Deshaun Watson in Houston, and then Harrison Bryant. But I think, yes, we are going to be much more of a shotgun team. We're going to be much more of a pass-first team. Now, Nick Chubb's one of the best running backs in the league out of 11. He's one of the best running backs in the league out of shotgun and one of the best against light boxes. So... I think he will still be elite. They are still going to get him his touches. I think there's going to be easier touches for him, honestly. I think you're going to get easier runs. You're going to get opportunities to catch the ball in space, which has not been a big part of what he has done thus far. Uh, and then when you look ahead to the draft, I do think there's an opportunity for the Browns to maybe even as high as their first pick, draft a running back. Right now it's Nick Chubb, it's Jerome Ford. They drafted in the fifth round last year. But I do think this offense is going to be about Deshaun Watson. It goes back to what I said earlier. Ian, and that is that you have to throw the ball to win in the AFC. I think that's just going to be a fact. There are going to be a lot of 24-plus point games where you're going to have to go out there and put it up. Now, Nick Chubb's as good as it gets, right? I mean, every year, five yards a carry, doesn't fumble. He scores. He hits long runs. Usually is around the league leaders and runs a 10 yards or more, 20 yards or more. He's a stud. And he will very much be a focal point of our team. However, it's going to be a team that's going to be quarterback-centric for once because the Browns believe they have that guy that can be that type of a player. A guy who's led the league in passing in the past. A guy who's had one of the top-rated quarterbacks in NFL history. One of the top completion percentages in NFL history. So, yes, it will be a massive evolution. And But what I would say is the Browns are no longer limited. That's the difference, right? I think in the past you could say make the case that the Browns were limited on offense and then limited in the way that they could win, which was they had to have a lead. They had to play with that lead. You needed to then feed Nick Chubb and then Kareem Hunt where defense is down, whereas now you can pretty much go in any game script and have an opportunity. But I think it's just going to open it up. We're going to be, I think, much more varied on first down, which I, I know people who like to dive in those analytics and the numbers will enjoy. I think we'll be much pass heavier on first down, which is where you hit a lot of those big plays in the pass game. But Nick Chubb, not going anywhere. I just think he'll have easier touches and be just as efficient, if not more efficient, than he's been in the past. I know in Fantasyland, we're all hoping with Kareem Hunt. See, I mean, you know, I feel he could always return. Who knows what's happening? But if Kareem Hunt is not going to be a member, let's finally get Nick Chubb one of those true workhorse roles. Again, it made sense over these years to split things up with him and Hunt. I mean, all those metrics you just mentioned with Chubb, guess what? A lot of those before last year were also true with Kareem Hunt. I mean, one of the things I've a graph I'll kind of put out during the season is one axis will be yards after contact per carry and the other one missed tackles force per carry. You know, just trying to look at running backs independent of everyone else. And it always be Nick Chubb in the far right, you know, just right up there, Tony Pollard and some of the other best guys, Kareem Hunt, usually until last year, but really just the workload again, Chubb and fan, people, Browns fans, I'm sure get sick and tired of seeing fantasy people fading Chubb year after year. It's just because in this silly game we play, 
just catching the ball is worth an entire point. Nick Chubb needs to run for 10 yards for get the same amount of points that Kareem Hunt just catches a screen. God forbid he picks up some extra yards with it. So in terms of Nick Chubb's workload, expected PPR points when he's out there, the last three years, he's ranked 28th, 20th, and 18th. Now he's still finished top 12 because the guy is a freaking monster out there and he just makes the most out of every touch. But let's not make things that hard. We'd love to see him get more involved in the passing game in a similar manner as Derrick Henry last year who set a bunch of career highs and those marks look i'm not confusing chubb for kareem hunt as a receiver eckler any of those guys but you know getting one of these big scary monsters out there in the open field a little bit easier you can see how that work out so here's what i would say to people with a fantasy slant on nick chubb two things number one i think we're going to score more points which means more touchdown opportunities for him which i think is good he carried it over 300 times last year. I think he was one of three backs in the league. I think it was he, Derrick Henry, and Jacobs that carried it 300 times. Do, I don't know if he goes 300 again this year, but I do think he'll get more involved in the passing game. And here's what I would focus on. Do the Browns sign, as this offseason goes on, say a Jarek McKinnon, who's a veteran that you could bring in on a probably a relatively cheap deal. He can play that third down role for you. If not, if that doesn't happen, are the Browns ready to turn over third down pass pro to last year's fifth round pick Jerome Ford or this year's rookie? And my guess is probably not. Right. So you could see because of that, if they don't bring in a veteran who is skill set is to be a third down back and pass protect and then catch the ball in the backfield, I do think you could see the Browns use Nick Chubb more uh, in the passing game. But it's an offense that really should be able to dictate through personnel mismatches. We didn't really talk about much about Njoku, but you know he's a guy that I thought came on strong, had a nice chemistry with Deshaun Watson, and I think going into this year, again, has an opportunity to be a, a pretty good player. Oh, yeah, and just credit to the Browns for getting so much out of him. I mean, after the Austin Hooper contract, and they just kind of threw him in that committee with Harrison Bryant, who, hey, Mackey Award winner in his own right. You know, they've had a lot of good options there. But, you know, when they paid Njoku the $55 million or whatever, it was just like, okay, Stefanski finally going to really feature his one guy. And he did because David Njoku is really freaking good at football. And we always just forget how young that dude still is as well. So, you know, similar to Cooper, we didn't see him putting up the same caliber of big-time numbers with Watson. But one of these other things is, you know, Watson came in week 14 and like, we all know how weathered in Cleveland is. I mean, I remember in uh 20, it was 2020 when, uh, you know, awesome second half actually from Baker Mayfield, but they had those three games in a row. Against oh, like I was on the sideline for all three of them. I remember them quite well. And I'm very happy to the... not be on the sideline anymore <laughs> because it was miserable. That was some of the worst weather ever. But you just have to throw those stats out basically when trying totally. to actually assess 100%. the guys and what they were doing out there. So again, I don't want to be too much of a slave to the six game sample size, but wasn't fantastic. Obviously, you know, we've kind of beat, beat that down already, but I will say, you know, shout out to Jacoby Brissett for how well he was able to hold down that fort last year. I know he wasn't being asked to, you know, put the entire offense on his back, you know, what didn't have the team on his back, like a young Greg Jennings might, uh, for example, but you know, third and completion percentage over expected. I mean, he was uh, going out there making some big time throws week by week. I remember that bills game, even though it got a little bit out of hand and he was working in some comeback mode, but, that team was making some legit throws out there. So I'll be very curious how, uh, you know, he does in Washington, uh, you know, competing with Sam Howell for that starting job, because, you know, I, I might have gone record saying that Jacoby was going to be worse than Baker and big L for me. I get that. But that was also the best football we've seen Jacoby play throughout his career. So whether that's a sign of things to come or just, you know, a one off great year, either way, you know, kudos to Jacoby for stepping into pretty much an impossible situation. And yeah, just absolutely nailing it for the most part. And here's one thing I would throw to you is to give you some confidence in Deshaun is everybody who's played with Kevin Stefanski has played their best football with him. I mean, and so now you have a quarterback with supreme talents. 
Last year, I can tell you just being close to it was so difficult and I find it, it's, I knew that I was guilty of it. I thought he'd come back so he, look, he would look so good in practice, but playing in the NFL and practicing in the NFL are completely different things. Yeah. And I think it was tough, but you saw the glimpses of it. And hopefully this year with a regular off season, we can see him be great. And then you mentioned Jacoby, tremendous human, tremendous in the locker room, one of my favorite guys who's ever been with this team. And I certainly wish him the best there in Washington. Let's talk draft really quickly, if you don't mind. Yeah, man. So wide receivers, running backs, the Browns in the third round, I think both of those things could be on the table. So let's take first question, take a step back. If from a fantasy perspective, where do you want to see some of the top running backs go? What teams should fans be looking at and say, no, if a running back goes here, this is somebody I need to keep in mind for my fantasy team. So, you know, the draft, the Browns don't have a first or second round pick. So if you're watching it as a Browns fan, you're probably watching what the people in the AFC North are doing, then you're watching it for fantasy. So help people out. What do they want to watch in those first two rounds from a running back standpoint? Where do they want people to go? It's just one of those things where in the year 2023, it's so rare to get these workhorse running backs. I mean, in 2000, 19 different running backs had over 300 plus touches last year. I believe they were five or six out there total. Yep. I mean, it's usually just a handful now and I get it from a real life perspective. You know, it's freaking like being in a car crash every week playing in that position probably should spread it out, especially if you have these multiple good rushers that said in fantasy, we are trying to focus on the team still willing to hand over that feature role. So my top five destinations are starting off with the Bengals because there has been a lot of smoke to the idea that Joe Mixon could be released. Samaje P. Ryan's already out of the picture. Yeah. And as we know, high scoring offense also have the Philadelphia Eagles in there. And it's one of those things where another fun note from uh, Mr. Barry's column over there, Nick Sirianni might actually prefer to use a workhorse running back. If he has that caliber player, didn't believe he did with miles Sanders. And I know guys very good last year, by the way. Yeah, very good. And guess very what? He, he averaged over five yards per carry. Yeah. So it was Rashad Penny throughout his career. I'm starting to think maybe a little bit of that has to do with the Eagles O-line and Jalen Hurts going on there. But just again, another high score offensive situation after that i got the dolphins buccaneers and rams it's a mixture of those coaches especially sean mcveigh and what we've seen him do over the years being willing to give their lead backs this again true every down workhorse role that is becoming increasingly rare in today's nfl and also just not having that much depth chart competition there's this weird segment of rashad white truthers out there in tampa and you know he did look a little more explosive than leonard fournette but you start pulling up the metrics and these guys are bottom five and everything unfortunately so just one year you know i'm not going to give up on a 22 23 year old just because of you know 16 off games or whatever but wasn't great and if we can see you know a jamar gibbs a b john robinson a true workhorse alpha potentially i know gibbs is more of a pass type friendly but you know what i'm saying if they end up on and again these five teams Bengals, eagles dolphins buccaneers rams i think we'll be seeing a lot of counting points in fantasy land here in a hurry what do you make of the Austin Eckler situation? Because the guy's just an absolute stud. And obviously in a PPR league, you know, he you can make the case that he could be RB1 again this year, if it's not McCaffrey. And he wanted out. It seemed like nobody was interested. My fear was, as obviously doing working for the Browns, I thought he would end up in Cincinnati. And I'm like, they would be unstoppable <laughs> with Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield. What do you kind of make of that situation? And if he stays there with the Chargers, is he, in your mind, the same Austin Eckler as he's always been? That would be so scary because I feel like with the running back, it 
What's more replaceable at running back? I do think tends to be some of the rushing ability because that's just where your quarterback's passing ability is causing the lighter boxes and you have a big, awesome offensive line. You can get that. But Eckler, he's obviously a monster in the receiving game. Then also in the red zone. I mean, this team has 38 touchdowns over the past two years. Next closest player is at 26. So unfortunately, though, in, with the salary cap here, and we always got to keep that salary cap in mind, that's where the whole idea of these running backs don't matter. So I do think he'll end up back in Los Angeles with the Chargers, mostly because teams aren't going to be willing to give up not only what it would cost to trade for Eckler, but then also presumably to sign him to a sort of long-term deal and contract extension that the Chargers aren't willing to give him right now. So I wish, you know, that we could just abolish the salary cap and these owners could pay these running backs as much money as they want, because look, it's not like Nick Saban's out there at Alabama, like, oh, who needs five-star running backs? I'll recruit the three-star running backs don't matter. Of course they matter. But when you have a, you know, like us, when we have our personal finances, you know, got to start ranking things when it comes down to having a set dollar amount. So Austin Eckler, again, fantasy God, the overall RB one and back-to-back seasons here, but just unfortunately in real life, we're seeing these running backs matter less and less in the eyes of teams. And to be fair, there do seem to be quite a bit more, you know, in those undrafted rounds and later in the draft that tend to turn out. Yeah, look at Isaiah Pacheco last year for the Ooh. for the Kansas City Chiefs. Anybody in this class that you know, you everybody knows kind of the headliners at the running back spot. But we've heard so much about the depth. Is there anybody that you're looking in the middle rounds to maybe end up in a, in a sweet spot that you would say, oh, for fantasy, that'll kind of you know raise your eyebrows a little bit. I think uh, the number two running back over at Texas, Roshan Johnson, is someone that has, you know, that size-speed combo we really like to look for. I mean, it really is a Mickey Mouse kind of group of running backs and wide receivers in this class. You're seeing a lot of weight starting with the number one, and it's just not ideal out there. But with Roshan, we're talking about a guy, 220 pounds, you know, was able to run a, a sub-4-6. And I think he can work across all three downs, just had to deal with, you know, a generational prospect. I hate that word, but it is kind of true for B. John Robinson, the way people are making him out to be. So, with Roshan and just if he can get that day two capital because while we do see the James Robinsons of the world pop off every now and again, really is rare to see anybody drafted after the third round become big time fantasy performers, both as a rookie and even throughout their entire career. I mean, specifically 70% plus at every position of top 12 fantasy performers were taken inside the first three rounds, you know, originally. So Roshan Johnson would be my pick again, because he has that right. theoretical three down ability where he lands in the right spot, might, might not need to take the guy off the field. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of people forget that Miles Sanders was with Saquon Barkley at Penn State. And, yeah. and he, he's had a pretty nice career himself, obviously. Last year, I think he was fifth in the league in rushing and now going down to Carolina. So, all right, that's a good name. Everybody write that one down. All right, just kind of final thoughts here. Overall, you know, as you look going into this season, what are you most excited about? If there's anything with the Browns you're most excited about or just in general, AFC overall, what are you most excited about? What are you looking forward to for this 2023 season? I think it is just the AFC overall. I mean, catch up NFC. I mean, look at these quarterback rankings that we got. I mean, I see people complaining about, oh, where's Dak on this NFC quarterback list or his hurts too high. I mean, let's get more than three or four names out there that would even be considered in the AFC's, you know, top eight guys. So I know the AFC West has been kind of holding that mantle as just the highest scoring conference in their quarterbacks. But my goodness, man, again, if we have Texans, Deshaun showing back up this year with Burrow, with hopefully a returning Lamar Jackson, Jackson, maybe not hopefully for Browns fans, but just uh -huh. in terms of putting some good football out there on television. And then Kenny Pickett. I mean, he does have some weapons there with Deontay, yeah. with uh, Pickens and with Pat Fryermuth as well. So again, I don't think, you know, the Steelers are going to be his top 10 uh, unit. You know, we're not going to see the AB Le'Veon Bell years coming back. I don't 
don't think so uh, this year. But if they become, you know, the Raiders equivalent to the AFC North, that's going to be a really fun conference week in and week out. Until we get to late November and December, it becomes, you know, a mud pit every day. But again, man, it's just, the, just right. the overall quarterback goodness in the AFC. Such a loaded conference right now. I already can't wait, man. Don't you think it's – I don't think it's hyperbole to say it might be the greatest collection of quarterbacks in one conference ever, right? If everybody plays to their potential, it is – it's insane. There are probably 11 teams that really in the AFC think they can go to the Super Bowl, which is an absurd number. And eight of them are probably really real if they do it because there are eight quarterbacks that are that good. And we haven't even seen, you know, a pretty good rookie class of guys get in there as well. So I think it makes sense that nowadays, especially with teams understanding with the rookie wage scale, I mean, one of the cheat codes you can have as a team is having that quarterback on a rookie contract, yep. playing on above average level. And then you can stack the roster like the Bengals, the Eagles, and even the 49ers, lesser extent, because they've been playing Jimmy G. But, you know, not every team has a Patrick Mahomes out there that you can just, you know, make the most out of a uh, lesser weapon. So, yeah. And just all, honestly, like looking at these kids now, I mean, what if you're a if you're flashing as like an eight or nine year old, you're probably getting trained from this ex NFLer already at age 11 or 12. That's what makes the Anthony Richardson Richardson thing so interesting to me. Cause this guy was actually playing like wide receiver to start off in high school, suffered an injury where he wasn't able to get a whole season. in. I mean, really he is raw, but he hasn't had all of this, you know, top tier training sure. as a true quarterback yet. So if there was going to be someone that is still ascending and putting it together, Anthony Richardson does seem to check a lot of those boxes. He is going to be an interesting prospect. Where he lands, does he get to sit for a little while, how he develops, and then his ceiling obviously could be could be immense. Ian, this this has been a blast, man. We really appreciate the time. Go ahead and give some plugs for Fantasy Life. Let everybody know where they can get your content and what you guys got going on over there. Appreciate you guys. I'm a Columbus, Ohio lifer, so I always, you know, hold a soft spot for the brownies uh, out right. there. But yeah, man, fantasylife.com. We have, a, again, free newsletter. So, you know, what's it going to hurt? Just uh, go over there, subscribe. We'll get you every single morning with some, you know, fantasy and real life takeaways, plenty of content, articles, podcasts, everything you could look for. Again, free 99. Got it. Love that. But yeah, appreciate you guys. Uh, go brownies. Big thanks again to Ian Harditz from fantasylife.com for joining us here on the best podcast available. Check us out on YouTube, youtube.com slash Browns, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and get your latest news on clevelandbrowns.com or the Browns mobile app. So once again, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening to the best podcast available.